Okay, welcome everyone. Good morning. We're starting on Paydalit Ahmed Bays. Good morning, Steve. We're just about to start. We're on 84B, about five lines from the bottom. And we're finishing up these rules of breaking the bones. We've got bones to pick with people. And again, we talked about this, that uh, there's a mitzvah not to break the bones of a Korban Pesach. And we're trying to figure out which bones are we talking about. So it's actually the bones where there's food. And uh, we said one idea that on Pesach night, uh, we're finally free. When we were poor slaves, we weren't given much food. And uh, sometimes we were just given a bone to eat, and we had to suck the marrow out of the bone and get whatever uh, we could out of it. Whereas now that we're free, we show that there's plenty of food to go around. We don't have to suck the bones. We, uh, uh, and so there's, that's one idea. There are other ideas as well, but there is a mitzvah specifically not to break the bones of the Korban Pesach. So the question, though, is, uh, so you're not allowed to break a bone where the food is, but a bone that's not connected to the food, you could break. So the question was, uh, six lines from the bottom, on, again, pay Dalit Ahmed Bey's 84B, it Mar, we learned, Aver, if there's a particular limb, this part of the limb, there's no meat on this part, but if Yeshua love Kazai's Buster but if you follow that limb all the way to the other side, there is some meat on that side. So can you break the, uh, the limb in, the, in a spot where there's no meat, even though there may be meat on the other part? So, eight, uh, so that's the question. So there are two opinions. He can't do it. Good morning, Michael. Rivshim ben Lakish, Omar, Rivshim ben Lakish, he has a nickname, Reish Lakish. That's Rivshim ben Lakish. And he's a famous study partner with Reb Yochanan. We, we quote them often in the Gemara. You, know, you remember the story. Reish Lakish was uh, actually a, um, a, uh, a robber, a highwayman. And Reb Yochanan saw, uh, saw him and uh, was, realized that he had great potential. And uh, he promised Reish Lakish if he would uh, go to the right path, that he would give him his sister. And they became brothers-in-law and study partners. Famous story. And we have them all throughout the Gemara. And here's one of their arguments about whether or not if you have meat on, on one part of the bone and not on the other, can you break it on the other part? So Rabbi Yochanan said, no. Reish Lakish said, no. It is okay. So now the Gemara is going to see who's right. It says, don't break a bone. Whether the bone has an olive size of meat on it, or if it doesn't have. So you see, you can't even break bones that have no meat. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean there's no meat? If you're going to tell me there's nothing on it, of course you could break that bone. Why couldn't you? There's no meat there. This is what it must be talking about. Two lines from the bottom. Whether it's a piece of meat that has a kazayas on this plate, or if there's another bone, that there's no uh, piece of meat on this plate, a part of the bone, but it may have uh, meat on the other side of the bone, still, uh, we're saying you're forbidden. So that's a, that's a kasher l'reish lakish, 
that, that disproves Reish Lakish. So what's he gonna, how is he going to explain that case? So as we turn the page, good morning, Rabbi Golding, you're just on time. We're turning to the top of Pei hey, hey, 85A. Omer Lei, Lo, Hakikomer, this is what it means to say. Whether there's two places you can have meat on a bone. You can have meat on the outside. There may not be any meat on the outside. And it, maybe it has marrow on the inside. So um, I, I guess this would be like um, sometimes you have like a hoof or something where there's no meat on it at all. So there's nothing to talk about. You would be allowed to break that off. But uh, here we're talking about, uh, we're saying that the halacha of breaking a bone is only where there's meat. So, uh, but we, we taught that we include even a place with no meat. And it's obvious if there's no meat at all. So what's it coming to include? So we thought it's coming to include if there's no meat on this part, but meat on the other part. But then that's a kashan reish lakish. Reish lakish will learn, no, what does it mean? It means no meat on the outside, but there is something edible on the inside. Certain bones have more marrow than others. Oh, yeah, well, they boil it. Yeah, I don't, I, that's a good question. I don't know, they, uh, they, they do get um, animal bones themselves they make stuff out of. Yes, that's what Rebbe is mentioned before. We get, they used to get things from everything, so... Yeah, the, the, the butchers used to have uh, cha, right? They used to have dishes they would make out of the... But I don't know if that's called meat. Um, Arrow is meat. Marrow is meat, Mo- yeah, right, meat. right, yeah. So, so, yeah, correct. So, I'm going to be very careful. You don't don't break any bones until you're sure that there's not. You won't be able to eat anything out of there. Okay, that's right. So, uh, so he's saying on the inside and the outside, the hatanya. Now, um, this sometimes hatanya is a question, unless Rashi tells you it isn't, as Rashi says over here. Hatanya bin This is the proof, as we learned. Etzim lo sishu don't break any bones. Whether it's a bone that has marrow. Even a bone that doesn't have marrow. Uh, it says you eat the meat and don't break bones. Is it referring to the meat on top of a bone? Or is it the meat inside the bone? That's referring to the, the bone that doesn't have marrow. Um, the, if there's a bone, if there's a piece of meat that has a bone, I'm sorry, if there's a bone that has marrow in it, you're allowed to break the bone in order to eat it. Don't wonder. This is a little different now that we're saying, that you're actually allowed to break the bone in order to get the marrow out. Uh, the, 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 now, there is a losase not to break the bone, but the assay of eating the meat pushes off the losase. But that's what you would have thought. But then the Torah by Pesach Sheni, it repeats the laws. And it says, don't break the bone. Why does it have to repeat it? So we already know Pesach Sheni is a repeat. It says by Pesach Sheni, do it just like you were supposed to do the first one. And the first one, you already knew you can't break the bone. So why does it repeat? You can't break the bone. The answer is, it's coming to tell you, if you only had the first one, I would have thought you can't break the bone if there's no food there. But if you're breaking it to get the food out, it's okay. Clearly, by repeating it, it's telling you, can't break any bones. Uh, so uh, that's, that's what comes out, is that there's no, 
even where there is marrow, you're not allowed to break the bones. More is a question from the following. So we actually had this case before. What happens if there's a limb that got stuck out the door, out, out the boundary? Meaning that uh, all the Korban Pesach has to be eaten inside the, uh, in, uh, eaten inside the walls of Yerushalayim. Now, it was very crowded, and uh, you could have had people eating outside the border or close to the border. What happens if they didn't notice one of the limbs was sticking out the door, was sticking out the, or right across the border? So that limb is no longer kosher. But, uh, so what are you going to do? So you, you have to, you're required to separate the part you can eat from the part that you can't eat. So how do you do that? Chotek, you cut. You cut the meat until you reach the bone. The kolef, now you can't break the bone uh, in the middle. So what you do though is you take the part, you, you, wherever the bone is sticking out, you cut all around that area. And then you peel the part back that's kosher, that's good, until you reach a joint. And then you break it from the joint. Uh, until you reach a joint. And then you cut it there. So, now why is it that you can only cut it at the joint? If you're going to tell me, anytime there's no meat on this place, uh, and there's, uh, even if there's on some other place, there's no problem to break the bone. Why do you even have to uh, worry about it? The meat that, that you're breaking is not meat that you're eating. Why can't you just take a hatchet and cut off that limb that was sticking out? So why is it that you got to do this? You got to do surgery over here. You got to like cut all around exactly the part that was sticking out, and then you've got to peel away till you get to a joint, and then you break it at the joint, a much easier thing. Take a hatchet and just boom the hatchet at the part uh, that was sticking out. So why don't you do that? So Abai answers, Mishum Paka. Because uh, bones don't break necessarily the way you want them to. You're going to try to cut it right at the spot that was sticking out. Guess what? You might end up breaking another bone. Let's see, Rashi. Uh, Paka. Um, thank you. Mishum Paka. Shema Yifka. Perhaps it'll break. Vishavet Tachas Abasar. You're trying to break under where there's no meat, and it's going to break where there is meat. Kishiyika Al Makam When you whack it over there, whenever you give a whack, sometimes things don't always break exactly where you expect them to break. We've all had that experience. <laughs> sometimes you're... You're trying to get something in one area and you put pressure and a different part of that thing breaks. That's one answer. Ravina Omar Bakulisna. Uh, he said we're talking about the uh, the redundal bone. That's the uh, it's a bone that has marrow. And so since it's the redundal bone, I don't know where the redundal is, but it's Rashi says the uh, coolest redundal show yad. It's part of the the arm. You can't just um, this particular bone, if you're going to cut it in the middle, you're going to be cutting right through the marrow. And so uh, that's going to be problematic. So that's why you've got to go back to the joint. Okay, fine. So that explains why we were trying to bring a proof from the, the requirement over there where the limb sticks out. It's not a proof. So again, we still have our two opinions. We're still trying to see who's right 
in this issue, Reb Yochanan and Reish Lakish, can you make a cut on a bone where there's no piece of aloe-sized meat? Tanan Hassam, we learned over there, Apigobanos Reatamit. Uh, what happens when a Corbin is, is ruined? Either the Kohen has pickle thoughts, or it's leftover, or it became impure. So uh, it's a rabbinic decree that if you, uh, somebody touches that, their hands become tame, and now they can't go to a kosher Corbin until they take their hands to a mikvah. Interesting halacha of... of uh, the, the truth is when we wash for bread, that's really how we purify our hands. It also has like a... Um, so, uh, but, so that's the, we say that over there. Rav Huna what's the reason that the rabbis instituted that you got to go wash your hands over there, that you, gotta, that you have to purify your hands? So, Chad Omar, Mivnei Chashide Kahuna. I don't like this one. I'm a Kohen. It's not, the Kohen don't come out so good. So one of them says, it's because we suspect the Kohanim. Chad Omar, Mivnei Kahuna. And the other is because we suspect the, the lazy Kohanim. So, <laughs> I told you, we don't come out so good in this Gemara. So, Hashideh Kahuna is the following. You have a Yisrael that uh, wasn't nice to a Kohen. Maybe he didn't give him his truma. Uh, he gave it to someone else. Or, uh, I don't know, whatever reason. People, there's no shortage of reasons that people decide that they're upset with somebody, unfortunately. So, well, Kohen says, I'm going to get him back. When he brings a Corbin next time, I'm going to pigalize it. That's all. And then he's going he's gonna to learn not to mess with me because that's going to cost him quite a bit and he's going to think twice before he starts up with a Kohen. And uh, so that's what a Kohen might do. But, uh, and how do you stop that? You know, when people get angry with people, you can't talk to them. They just, uh, uh, they just want to take revenge. I, I saw now that one of the big things the Republicans want to talk to uh, Trump, uh, uh, ex-president, that he shouldn't take revenge on the people that were voting on the other side or the uh, whatever. It's a, they're concerned in politics. You have a lot of that where people want to get somebody back. So the rabbis realized you can't have Kohanim getting people back. And they, people get them back in an area where they have control over them. So therefore, they made a decree that if a Kohen makes a piggle, then he's going to have to go. go uh, he can't keep on doing the service. He's going to have to go out and wash. So he's not going to bother doing it. Let's see that Rashi real quick. We suspect. The truth is, people were asking me this, like, how does a Kohen mess up like that? Like, why would he do it? You know, so sometimes they did it on purpose. Mishum Eva, because he's angry with someone. Gozer alapigo, so therefore the rabbis decreed, you, you think it's going to be no big deal if you make his Corbin pigle? No, we made a decree, now your hands are going to be impure if you pigalize it. You're going to, it's a lot of trouble. People are willing to take revenge, but not if they have to go to the trouble and do so. So that was one reason. The other view was, no, not because of, of spiteful Kohanim. No, Kohanim would never do that. But they might be lazy. There, uh, there, if there's leftover meat, uh, it turns into no, sir. So there might be Kohanim that just don't finish all the meat. There was one particular Kohen, um, I think he was heavy, but they used to praise him that when, on, when he was in charge, there was never any leftovers. Because he did it out of, that was his mitzvah. He made sure. He, there was, he would always have room to finish things off, right? That was incredible. He, he took care of it. But there are other Kohanim that... Uh, so I think I know what the problem is, that 
how do you know which Kohen has the mitzvah to do it? So each Kohen says, well, I'm not hungry. Let the other Kohen finish it off. At the end of the day, when, when you can pass the buck, so nobody's going to finish it off. So that therefore, though, the, the problem is if you don't finish it off, it's going to become tummy. And if it's tummy, you're going to have to, it's difficult to handle and you can't, you can't do it. So they wanted to make it. So again, we're, we're saying two different explanations why, why they insisted on washing the hands, uh, either to make it uh, that Kohanim would be careful not to make it piggle, or to make it that Kohanim would be careful not to uh, be lazy and letting it become leftovers. So let's see Tosos real quick. Fascinating Tosos. Third Tosos from the top. So, Meshum it, it's, uh, it's a sin to mess up somebody's korban. You're not going to get on Hashem's good side if you deliberately sabotage somebody's korban and you turn it into piggle. It's a sin to make piggle. So, why is it that we think that somebody who doesn't care about the laws of piggle and will sabotage somebody's korban is going to care that the rabbi said you should wash your hands? That's Tosa's question. Just like they're going to ignore the pickle laws, yo so they'll ignore the washing of the hands laws. He says, for some strange reason, even people that ignore some areas of halacha, they kept the laws of purity. It says the it's a famous story where the they, two Kohanim got into a fight and one of them knifed the other one, and the person's father came there, and his first reaction was, hurry up, pull out the knife so that it doesn't become tummy. Uh, in other words, instead of hurry up, save the child's life, his own child. Like, I don't know if that ever happened, but it's the idea that uh, people took those laws so seriously, uh, purity, which again, you almost need to, to, uh, uh, to do them correctly. Um, uh, today we know about different sects that were like... Uh, that they, uh, they went to the mikvah all day long and they separated themselves and they, they just got too much into the purity. It was like unbelievable. Like uh, they said they didn't take wives and they just, uh, uh, they, 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 the, uh, they, they somehow were able to focus more on that than other mitzvahs. So Tosas is saying that maybe the laws of purity they would follow even though the laws of pickle they wouldn't. That's Tosas' answer. It's an interesting answer. How do you know which laws people like to break? I don't know. So, but uh, anyways, back to the Gemara. Mar Masnia, no, sir. So back, um, so again, Rav Huna, we're right in the middle of the page. So the question was why the rabbis instituted requirements for washing the hands if you touch bigel and you touch leftovers. So one said, as we said, as we did the Rashi. Uh, and he says, no, we're afraid of the, the lazy Kohanim. The one learned it on Pigol, and there we suspect. He learned it on the leftovers. The one who learned it on Pigol, he was afraid the Kohanim would... Uh, again, that's the Kohen's opportunity to get back at the Israel who didn't treat him right. And the one who learned it on leftovers, one of them learned the amount that causes tumors. One learns that it's an egg size. One learns that if it's an olive size, ki'isura, an olive size of, of meat, um, uh, you're, you're not allowed to eat. That's, it, eating is always an olive size. That has to do with tumor. Okay, fine. Next question. What about when meat is, is, uh, leaves uh, Yerushalayim? 
we said that uh, sometimes people forget they have meat in their pocket. Uh, they, they, sometimes people don't want other people to see that they, they got it, so they, they sneak it in their pocket, and they figure, I'll go outside and eat the stolen lamb chops. You know, nobody will notice me. So, uh, and then they, the problem is they're not allowed to leave outside the gate. So what happens if they left? So is the meat tamay or not? So again, we've, we've talked about when meat gets rejected, the rabbis instituted. See, if, if you have all this rejected meat around, it, it, sometimes people won't take it so seriously. But if their hands become tamay, they do. So did they make the tumah laws on this rejected, on this yotze meat? Goes the rabbin tumah Me, I mean, no sir, to goes tumah. You know what? Leftover meat, the rabbis made a decree to us and let Zulebe. Because you have to be careful and not to, you know, oh, I'll eat it later. No, 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 eat it now. Ah, voyotse, but uh, to take it out, a fuki be a dime, lo mafki. We don't, nobody's going to do this on purpose. So lo goes erbe rabban and tumah. The rabbis didn't, there's no purpose to make that decree. Odilma lo Maybe if you say, reject, you know, meat that's no good, is, is have to wash, maybe they made it on all meat. Or no, maybe they only made it on leftovers, not on meat that was taken out. So toshma. That's the issue at the moment. We'll try to prove it. So we learned before that if a limb is sticking out, you cut around the bone, and you peel away the good meat, until you reach the part of the bone where it's safe to cut away at the joint. And if the rabbis made a decree on the meat that stuck out, that it's tamay, even if you're going to cut off the bone, my hobby, hakamitamile, it's going to, the, the bad meat is going to touch the good meat, and your whole korban is going to be no good. In other words, isn't, isn't, if, if the rabbis instituted that the meat that was sticking out becomes tame, isn't that meat touching the meat that's sticking in? So the answer is, tumas sedorim he, that's an inside tumor, that's a hidden tumor. That's touching on the inside, and we have a famous rule: tuma storim lomitame. Again, if the tuma from the inside, that's not what we're worried about. We're talking about touching the meat on the outside. The fact that uh, on the inner part of that meat was touching the other meat—that's called tumas bezestorim. That's like the in the hidden part of the meat. That tuma doesn't work from the inside. Um, there is a Rashi on that, real quick, on the right, right just a little bit up. Anytime something touches from a hidden area, it's not something you would touch uh, or you can see. The tumor doesn't spread. We learned it out over there. It's something that you, you would touch with your hands. Not that touches from the inside. So uh, that's answer number one. That's why uh, it's not a problem when the meat is sticking out, even though it's touching, because it's touching on the inside. Ravina has a different answer. Uh, when food is touching each other, is that considered connected? It's a debate whether it's considered... Food isn't connected in a strong way. Like if you were to pick up a kugel, and uh, the part that you don't pick up is going to break off. It's not... It's it's not a it's it's not really bound together. The food isn't 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 uh, uh, normally when we talk about something being connected, it's like really uh, connected in a strong way. Whereas food, all bets are off. It's not really attached. It was cooked together, but it's not attached. You're talking about dough, though. Right? Yeah, 
yeah. It, it seems like there, there's an overall concept that food isn't considered really attached. Chicken won't, right, but other foods uh, would. So they had to make a rule. So I guess they decided that it's uh, the food, it, it like, um, it's not as connected as other things. You know, uh, the whole thing's going to fall down, right, right, right. So that's the, that would be the reason for it. So even though it's somewhat connected, uh, we look at it like it's separate. That's, that's correct. Um, that's the... Uh, so according to that opinion, um, uh, clearly um, there would be no reason to decree the part of the meat that's sticking out. Michael and Mamer, Haikamanagava Dadi Kamatamit. Let's start this again, because uh, just because we slowed down. Hashma. Uh, so again, Avish Yotzimisasa. We said if a limb is sticking out, you cut it till it reaches the bone, and then you peel away until you get to the joint, and then you cut it. The Amos goes to be and Tuma. If you say the rabbis made a rabbinic decree on Corbin meat that goes no good, Kichotikle, if the fact that you cut it, my hobby, what does that help? It's going to make the rest of the meat tame. So the Gemara said, Tuma storm he. That's an inside Tuma, Tuma storm loma tame. We answered that question. Ula Ravina, and according to Ravina, the Omer Kibur Ochan Lav Kibuhu, he says that when food is connected, it's not connected in a strong way, so it's not considered halakhically attached. Um, and it's as if, anyways, it's not connected. So, my what are you, what are you going to say? It's not connected. But you might argue, but it is touching. Doesn't the touching create a problem? So, according to the one who says it's only a problem if you have an olive size of meat, the less because there's not an olive size of meat. If you say you need an egg size of meat, the less bekebeah. So that's the reason why in that case there's not tumah. There were two different answers why. See, if you learn that tumas bezestorum has no tumah, so then you're off the hook. But if you learn tumas bezestorum is tumah, so even if you say that the reason is it's because it's food, but it's still touching on the inside, even though it's not connected, so the answer is there's, it's not touching enough. There's not enough meat to be a problem. Toshma, let's try again to see if we can bring a slam dunk proof whether or not uh, there's a difference if there is a meat on that part to make it uh, um, to, to, to make it forbidden to break the bone. Hamoti basar chabura. All right, let's say uh, you know everybody's curious what the other seder. When did you finish? So what happens if you go to talk to? Just imagine everybody's on harabayas. The whole the whole Klai Yisrael is there, and so they're all outdoors. So you just want to, you know, you, you want to join their song over there. You want to join that Chabura. So what happens if you were holding on to some of your Korban Pesach meat and you went to a different group? So Alpha uh, Pishu below Sasa, you're not supposed to do that because you're supposed to uh, keep it in one place. So even though you ignore the rules, the meat doesn't go bad to her. My love, to her yasser. What, now, when we say you, you broke the rules, doesn't it mean it's forbidden? It's just like taking it outside. Um, and uh, you would have thought that it would be no good. Basically, in this case, where you took the meat where you shouldn't have gone, we don't throw the book at you. So, too, where you took the meat and went outside the walls of the city, we see that they didn't throw the book at you. That's basically meat that's taken out of bounds. You see from here, there's no rabbinic decree.
So the Morris says, um, the Morris says, no, it's no proof, low Torah mutter. In this case, it's totally different. It, the meat that went out of bounds, even though you weren't supposed to leave your group, it's actually fully kosher. There's a big difference between leaving your group and leaving the walls of the city. This is where Mechitza is like the walls of the city. Below Mifso, it's not bad. I, but didn't it say, if you eat it, you're in trouble. So Maybe there wasn't a large amount. There's an olive size, but not an egg size. But even if it's a small amount, it's a problem. Um, here we're talking about eating it after you left your group and brought it somewhere else. So um, uh, clearly, we're saying that it didn't become no good. So uh, uh, that's a, that's a, uh, and we're, we're we're trying to bring a proof that when you take it out of the wall, it's no good. Really, uh, if you take it out of your group, that wasn't our question. That's different than taking it out of the wall. The logos are Clearly, the Rabbanan said if you take it out of your kabura to a different kabura, they they didn't need to make a decree that it's forbidden. My time, what's the reason? Everybody else is at your Seder. If you start running off with a lamb chop, they're going to yell at you. <laughs> they're going to stop. Uh, they, the Seder night, we're all trying to be holy. They're going to remind you, don't go. So, uh, therefore... You know, the rabbis didn't need to add to it. Well, if you do it, we're going to decree Tumah to prevent you from doing it. No, everybody else is there. They're going to make sure. Rashi's Rizimhain, bottom line. Sheesh Rabbi. There are a lot of people there. Jews love to shush people, and they love to tell other people what to do. So they're, love, they're going to tell you, don't take that out. You know, encourage. Encourage, right. They love encourage right. They love to encourage, right, right. There's certain people, they like to uh, be, you know, encourage each other. So uh, therefore, you don't. The rabbis didn't need to add to that by making it impure. Elaki, uh, the question was, when you take kachim out of the wall, that was the question. So that what what so what's the story in the end? The Morris says, "Teku." We'll have to ask Elio Anavi. Interesting. We have not had tons of tekus over here. Um, that's uh, so. Tosis has an interesting question over here. Um, over here, we seem like that we make the uh, uh, the leftovers tame because of the kohanim. We're afraid the kohanim aren't going to be careful to finish it off. And over here, we're not worried about them taking the meat out because the chabura will be careful. So look at the bottom tosis. Chabura's reasoning. Over there says the other way around. The kohanim, you, don't, you can trust. Those you don't got to worry about. But the people who are the other people are the ones you got to watch. So Argamor sounds like that, that the, the, you can trust the people of the Kabura, not the Kohanim. And over there, it sounds like you can trust the Kohanim and not the people of the Kabura. So what's going on over here? The Teretz read the low dummy. There are two different cases. By the Bidnei Kabura, Shag the Mizr Teshemi. He wants to say the cases are different. That's all. Um, but again, it, each case is different. You have to know when to apply it, when you're worried about Zrizim, and when you're not. Okay. Uh, bottom line. Gemara, Motzi, Basra, Pesach, Mechabura, as we turn the page. Kabura, Minayin. Where did we have that rule from? That you can't move your meat from one group to the other. You get tired of your Seder, and you want to join the other Seder, and you want to bring your lamb that you're munching on with you. How do you know you can't do it? 
Tanya, we learn don't take out of the house from the meat outside. I only know from one house to another. What about from one group? So you can't take it out. Even if you're in the same house, you can't go from one group to another. There'd be sometimes you'd have the same family can have two different lambs, two different parts. You, you, you have to eat it with your group. It's an interesting concept. So we have a new sin that we didn't know about. Taking the Korban Pesach out of your group and going to another group. So when do you get that sin? When is, it, when is the point where we can whip you for that? When, when exactly does it kick in? So he says you have to take it and put it down. If it's still in your hand, you, you haven't put it down. You haven't taken it out. Uh, why? Because it says hotzah. It says carrying out. Just like the laws of Shabbos. My Shabbos, just like the laws of Shabbos. It's only called carrying it until you pick up. Good morning. Uh, we're on Pei Hei Omen Beis. So you pick it up. Ad Aved Akir You pick it up and you put it down. Here also, Ad Aved Be Akir You got to pick it up and put it down. So uh, this, again, so it's a mitzvah we weren't aware of. When you have a group eating Korban Pesach, when you, uh, if you're not allowed to take it out, but it's only officially the sin if you took it out and then you put it down on a plate. But as long as it's still in the air, just like the laws of Shabbos, it's only when you put it down that you're in trouble. What about the following? Here he's talking about uh, when they uh, took out the uh, cows to be burnt on Yom Kippur. So they carried them on poles. That's the way to do it. You, one person can't carry a cow. You put it on a pole and then each one carries one of the poles. So they went, So the, the, the first one out, the first one out is Tommy, the second one is not yet Tommy. Now over there, they're carrying it on a pole. And we're saying that whenever we talk about carrying out, you're only Tommy when you put it down. In that case, where they carried the cows out, it, they, it was being carried on a pole. So we're saying now, a, like an important rule, that all the laws of taking in and out are only when you put down. Why over there are they impure? They didn't put it down. So who most of he asked the question, who he answered it, benigrin. He says, no, they, they did put it down. They were dragging it. Something's really heavy. Um, sometimes it's like you carry a couch. It gets dragged a little bit. You know, it's, uh, um, so Tosa says it doesn't mean that you have to drag it. It means that if within three tfachim of the ground, we... Uh, we uh, love it. Let's see Tosus. Uh, so in other words, when you're carrying a big heavy, you, there's no reason for them to carry the cow high up. Depending also how tall they are and how long the legs of the cow are. So as long as the cow is within three of the ground, that's considered like... So uh, getting back to our Corbin Pesach, you're not likely to put it next to the ground. You'd have to put it down on a, on a plate. So we're saying that putting down would include, even if it's not fully down, as long as it's close to the ground. In that case over there, where they were schlepping on the pole, the cow was either, they dragged it or it was close to the ground. Whereas over here, until you actually put the meat down, you're still safe. Okay, interesting halacha, new Mishnah. Um, so this is actually the Mishnah we quoted earlier. If a limb of the Korban Pesach uh, sticks out of the border, so that's forbidden now to be eaten. So what do you do? 
you cut around the meat until you reach the bone, the kolif, and then you peel away the good meat, until you reach a joint, the kotik, and you cut it. That's by the Korban Pesach, where you can't break the bone. But if you're talking about a different offering, a temple offering, no problem. Just get kotzit bekofit. You cut it with the hatchet. You're allowed to break uh, other sacrifice bones. That's, that's much easier. Just take a bone and chop it off. Okay. Next, what's considered taking out of the city? So, if you're uh, within the door, uh, the door area is uh, where the door hits. I think they call it a door jam. Within the door jam, that's inside. Outside the door jam, that's outside. Uh, what about the windows and the area of the wall? That's like inside. Now, by the way, there is an interesting question. When you go to the wall, so the Wailing Wall, Kosal uh, Maravi, so it's a very holy spot. And uh, there, there's a question like this. Uh, sometimes people like to put messages in the wall. Nobody knows where that custom came from. Uh, but in order to put the, the message in the wall, you stick your hands in the wall. Now, if the thickness of the wall is considered inside, uh, aren't we afraid that you're going into the temple area? So there are people that don't put messages in the wall um, for that reason. They try not to... Um, the, the truth is it depends on which wall it is. It's not so clear which wall, if that's a wall that... Uh, but if it were the inner wall, then you definitely wouldn't want to stick your fingers in because, like we just said, the inside of the wall is like, is like inside. It's not that with the, you know, with the messages. It's also because of the construction. The wall is leaning a little bit. So if one looks at the very bottom of the wall, which you can't see, mm -hmm. and as you go up... Oh, wow. As you go up, there's, there's actually such a concern there as well. So for those who don't even... They don't even so touch it. To it I see. So close, close, close to it. Wow. wow. I didn't even think about that. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see the Gemara. Omar of Yehuda, Omar Rav, He said a fascinating thing. So uh, we're talking about... Just imagine if you have a very crowded area, and so you have the gates open. The gates are all open. Um, and so there are people standing in the gates. And there are people eating in the assembly. You want privacy a little bit. You want to go off and eat your corn pesach alone. You know the you don't like the tune that they're singing or whatever. You want to go sit in the corner. So you're sitting by the gate where the door opens up. And the question is, are you still together or have you taken it outside? So uh, the same thing would apply for davening. Uh, so let's see Rashi. Uh, if you're standing by the door. Can we count you for the minion? So uh, if you're standing outside, you can't be included in the minion. You've got to come in. So uh, there is a discussion here with Tosos exactly. Uh, well, let's see the next line of the Gemara. Even if you have an iron curtain, it doesn't separate between a Jew and his father in heaven. In other words, you, even if you're outside, you, we can include you in the minion. So it's not a problem. So So we're confused over here. Uh, when you're standing in the wall, are you part of the minion or are you not part of the minion? Are you part of the Seder or are you not part of the Seder? Um, Tosos brings the famous question about if you're here the chauffeur outside the shul. 
can can you get the mitzvah of hearing the shofar? Because you, yeah. So that's what Tosas quotes. So uh, so does that that means you? But that's different than including you in the ten. There's two different issues here. Tosas says one is to be included in the ten. It could be you have to be inside the shul. But to answer to what the minion is saying, it could be you could be outside in a different room. In other words, you want to say, Yeheshmei Rabbah, that only you could say with a minion. So you could say that even though, but if you want to be in the 10, it could be you have to be in the same room. That's a, a fascinating... That's the stuff were really relevant in COVID, you know, because they had all these different kind of minyana with, you know, people in this place and this... That's very correct. Right, right, right. You had people across the balconies in different rooms. Uh, what's considered connected, right? right? That, uh, yeah, wasn't that long ago. So, uh, but now we're getting to, we're going to go back to our, 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 uh, our basic issue, which is once you're in the door area, the, outside the door jam, that's considered outside the wall. But the Gemara is saying there's a difficulty here. Hagufakasha. There's a difficulty here. First you said from the door jam and inside, don't worry, that's inside the wall. But outside that, that would be outside. But then, if you look at the next part of the Mishnah, from the door jam and out is like outside, but the Agav itself is like inside. So is it, is, what about in the, middle of, in the middle of the doorway? What is it? Is it inside or outside? So look, Hashtag, the Gemara says it depends. It depends on which gate it was. The gates of Yerushalayim, they left the inside of the wall non-holy. Why? The lepers, who couldn't be inside the city, the lepers didn't have too many places to stay. People weren't anxious to bring them into their homes. And so they, uh, they were the homeless people in those days. But at the very least, they could hang around the, under the highway. They, could, uh, they hung under the walls to keep away from the rain. So uh, now, so therefore, what they did was they didn't make that area of the gates holy, so that the lepers wouldn't have any problems being in the shade of the gates, and being under the in the area of the, where the doors open up. So there, specifically, the walls are a problem. Whereas the the walls of the Azara, they um, uh, they also uh, most of them were considered holy, except for one. Which one? Why didn't they make the gates of Nikner holy? So there was a halacha that when lepers wanted to purify themselves, you know, the thumbs up where they had to stick their thumbs in to get the, 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 to purify themselves. So the problem was that if they were coming from the outside and standing in the doorway, they would be, uh, they would be the door, if the doorway was holy, then they couldn't stick their thumbs there. So they deliberately left one gate, the gate of Nikner, unholy, made it unholy so the lepers could stick their thumbs, or Magnesian behind uh, Boeing, they could stick their thumbs, thumbs up to get the, uh, the blood application there. But typically, the area of the, uh, of the doorway is sanctified. So then finally, we had one final halacha about the windows and the walls. Omarav, Gagin, Valios, what about the roof? So uh, those areas were not sanctified. Now that would mean that you can't eat your Corbin Pesach, you can't go up to the roof for a smoke. Uh, it's actually debatable whether you're allowed to smoke on Yantuf anyways. And, um, but uh, assuming that uh, if that was something that you follow those that say you're allowed to smoke, uh, could you go up to the roof 
uh, to finish your Korban Pesach. So we just said you can't carry it out. So can you go up to the roof? So he said you can't. Aye, that's not so. He says the rooftops were breaking uh, from the people singing the Hallel on Pesach night. Basically, everybody in Yushalayim came up to their rooftops to sing Hallel. They all sang together. Can you imagine tens of thousands of people singing Hallel? It was, it was, it was, it, the roofs were like, it was like, the, it was going to break from the sound of the hollow. So that sounds like they went Seder night uh, to their rooftops. But how could they do that if they eat the meat? So the Gemara says, my love to Ochel de Igra, if we turn to tomorrow's page, and must, I don't want to leave you in suspense. It says, well, they must have been eating up there. Uh, and they ate up there and they said the hollow up there. How could they do that? We just said the rooftops are not sanctified. So the Gemara said, Lo, the no, they ate it in the house for Amri Igra, and they just went upstairs to say the hallow, which is interesting. Okay, but we'll, we'll finish that discussion tomorrow. All right, have a great day, everybody. Be well.